It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hello, 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 everybody. This is one-on-one without DP. Jay Foreman and myself here in the 93.7 The Ticket Studios, ready to talk to a very important man in one Barry Thompson. But first, order of business, one-on-one is sponsored by Mary Ellen's. Some of the best food in the city. I can't even, I can't even lie, and I... I need to find my way back out there at some point, but Mary Ellen's sponsors one-on-one and, and shout out to Charles and everybody else out there doing the darn thing. It's fantastic. But without further ado, let me hit this man's music. (laughs) The autumn wind is a pirate blustering in from sea with a rollicking song. He sweeps along swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. <laughs> you got the extended version. <laughs> Always got to leave it until that, yeah. until that, that part. One. It's necessary. It's just necessary. Got to have the drums. Got to get right into the strings. This Barry Thompson segment is sponsored by Ambition Electric also. Shout out to Ambition Electric for sponsoring Barry Thompson and this beautiful segment on 101DP. Barry Thompson, what's up? What's up, fellas? How you doing? We're doing good, Barry. I, I, gotta, I always ask you, man, how does it feel to have the best entrance music in the uh, history of media sports? It, you know, I know you, you go, normally you go right before me, but every week when I hear it, I know DP smile. I'm small, especially when they get to where the I think there's there's big those big kettle drums at the end where they just kind of let it breathe. Yeah. And the and the little last rhyming couplet. You know, I know you're a Bills guy, but that you know he'll he'll laugh and you know and he'll laugh when he's won. That little rhyming couplet there always makes me smile on the other end of the phone. So yeah, I enjoy it, man. It's it's really good. Uh, life is good. Wanted to give a shout out to by the way to the anniversary boy. Uh, and, and his bride, and then uh, I know you guys have something, but I was just listening right at the end about Michael Jordan and Charlotte. Yeah, and and Jay, here's what occurred to me: um, it's a crude analogy, but famously, you know, Krause and Jordan were kind of at each other more. Jordan and the team at Krause, right? And now that Jordan's in the position of trying to put together a team, I'm wondering how much he reluctantly secretly <laughs> kind of thinks about Kraus or maybe some of the moves that he made or right, yeah. some of the stuff that he was thought, you know, it reminds me of, uh, 
there's a Mark Twain quote that says, uh, I'll mangle it. Somebody out there will get it. That when I was 17, uh, I couldn't believe how ignorant my father was. But by the time I was 21, I, I was astonished at how much he had learned in four years. And I think all of us go through that thing. If we have good parents, right? I'm not drawing, you know, Krauss isn't his dad, but you know, when you're held accountable by somebody, there's at times when you kind of want to reject it. And then with the passage of time, you go, Oh, that was pretty good. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Saved my life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. You know, like where you, you know, you, you have a sports background and, and you can, you're able to look at things and sports kind of always draw into each other. Right. This it's kind of just, it's always transferable. It's always, you know, portable where, the same concepts, find foundation points and things you need to do to be successful in one sport, you need the next. Um, obviously, you know, NBA free agency is starting here. You know, Rico's counting down the hours in the next seven hours for his Knicks, hopefully, <laughs> to make a move. Um, Let's overspend. You know, but the big, <laughs> the, the big trade, you know, between the Atlanta Hawks and San Antonio Spurs, Murray, you know, to Atlanta, in your opinion, how does it, how do you view that as, do you think it's going to work with Trey Young and Murray because they're both ball dominant players? Uh, do you see Trey Young as a young player uh, be willing to, uh, you know, I wouldn't say be the second fiddle, but at times during right. the game, you know, play second right. to Murray for it to work? Yeah, so I'm not in as close as you guys are, but yeah, I really trust your judgment. But you talk about generalities that, and principles that hold true over time. What we do know is about a year ago, everybody was wondering, would the New Jersey thing work? Right. right? Remember? And I remember being there, and he asked me about it. And the one thing on the NBA season that's unlike most is you can tell right – well, most people really watch, and they know from the beginning. Right. But you can really watch, if you're hopeful about your team, you can really watch them in those first 25, 30 games. And once they're in that, that it's kind of set. And at the time we were talking about New Jersey with all the talent, right, they, they were kind of set. They had lost a, a kind of higher number of home games, which the ultimate teams don't really do, right? So there were a lot of signs there that, it, for whatever reason, it wasn't what people thought it should be. So here's the thing. All kinds of things work, right? You know, like, you know, when Michael was playing, it was said that the leading scorer could never win a championship, right, considered – they was taking too many shots, right? Remember that was a thought. Right. So, but what has to work, what has to, I mean, you go back to Golden State Warriors, who, who said that uh, Steph Curry would work, right? But he worked. Y- you're right. You talk about ball dominant, not ball dominant. You know, look at what Harden kind of changed his role. Right. Right. Um, it just depends on what they're trying to do with the combination of players and what you were hinting at. Is a person, are, are people willing to accept their roles? Now, part, I think, of accepting roles is whoever's managing that group has to sell the value of those roles right. to the teams. That is, you can't just plug people in and expect them to kind of figure it out. There has to be some leadership there. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what the team needs you to do. Here's why we want you to do it. Right. And here's why it's important to you. Right. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean I hold his hand. I can get it done, but it's that that communication has to be clear. Has to be clear, and it should be when you're bringing a guy in. 
Right. Right. Yeah. I where mean, you, where you spend money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or or draft I mean, or draft capital when you're giving up three first round picks. Oh or... man, ain't nobody go to. There's very few. Only rich, 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 rich people go to restaurants and say, "Hey, just surprise me." Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it, I mean? Yeah. And, and don't uh, ask we, how much the surprise is going to cost. No, right. we want to read the Yelp review, talk to three friends, and then on top of that, we got to have a taste for it. Maybe I don't want it that day. You know right. what I mean? And then there's a line. I'm not going to wait. So, yeah, it, it's so much before those players get there is important about why this person's being brought in. What are we going to ask them to do? Will he be able to do it? Will right. he be willing to do it? And then how's it going to affect the overall structure? And just from hearing you guys, yeah, I trust your judgment. It sounded like it wasn't too well, well thought through. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, we'll see. But you know what, though, it was a great point. Before we get to break, I want to ask you real quick, and we'll come back after break. But you talk, all these, I always say it's, you know, it's transferable, right? So we talk about as you, if you're building a football team and giving up draft capital versus, say, like NIL money, um, you know, how important is it, like, is, say, like if you were running a team or when you even, you know, talk to players that you, you might be, you're going to start training, is explaining – what you expect from them as far as role, accountability, improvement, and plan play into that, um, and then how the second question is how do you think how do you think that either hurts or helps their success, uh, both in short and long term? I can answer and we talk about more if you want. When I get a, a quarterback, it's the very first thing that I do. When I get with a group of players who you know, run a camp, it's the very first thing that I do. I've learned over time the hard way that if I don't do it. And then I start to get angry, a little frustrated. I, I, I've learned to, to, you know, I'll stop players and say, hey, wait a second, I'm, I'm a bad coach. I just did something really bad. Right. And I'll pull them in and I'll start then. But, yeah, like just on an individual basis, I'll, I'll I set it up. Somebody will come to me and I'll say, well, let's just schedule a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I, I mean it. They think I'm joking. I said, let's make sure we like each other. Right. So we'll go through. After the session's over. I looked at the player right now. I said, now, coming to me doesn't do anything. Your job is to get better by the next time I see you. Right. And if I find out that you're not doing better, then I'm going to take you and your parent and have a talk, and maybe it's time to go do something else. I don't mean in a mean way. Right. But it's like I don't want to – I don't. they're going to pay me, but I don't want to waste their time. Right? It's a different perspective. Like, you're only coming to me to get better. So you've got to do this. That that's expectation, right? And it's laid out right from the start. And I think it's important to lay it out from the start. And then the second thing is, you got to be remarkably consistent. Your words have to have integrity, integrity. So those two things lay that. That's a cornerstone, I think, of whatever you're going to do, right? You tell them this is how it's going to be, and then it has to be that way, right? Uh, sounds really simple. It takes a ton of energy for those two things to happen. A ton. If anybody's raised kids, say <laughs> my dad was an educator and he went right. to this big, um, big thing down in Houston. We'll get to the break here, and they were all waiting for the keynote speaker, and so they were all in the, you know, pens, and everybody's jazzed up to hear this person, you know, the oracle speak. And he says, and quick order goes, number. I'll give you top three things for handling kids, developing people: consistency, consistency, consistency. That was it. You think about that. If you try to raise a kid and try to enforce rules, it, it can be tiring. They will try you left and right. right. right? Oh yeah. If you make some rule, you got to go to the end to make sure it's consistent, right? Right. Hold out and do whatever. 
uh, it's a tough thing to do. It's, it sounds easy, but it's tough to be consistent. It's tough to have integrity all the time and go back on your words. And that's why you hear a lot of good coaches say, I don't have many rules. Right. right? Because you, you have a lot of rules that are tough to enforce all the time. In business, Deloitte sees two approaches to innovation. People who look at the new technologies and changes swirling around them and wonder what's possible, and people who use cloud to engineer it. Creating new revenue with industry cloud platforms, optimizing costs through multi-cloud adoption, and adopting technologies from AI to edge. Join the innovators. Start at Deloitte.com slash US slash cloud and get the end-to-end services you need to get the cloud value you expect. Deloitte. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, I mean, that's Let's good. Let's sell some truck. Right, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's some uh, good knowledge there that could, you know, there's a lot of coaches that have made or made themselves or, or broke themselves by having either too many rules or not enough or, or being able to hold themselves or the team accountable. So it's it's interesting yeah. to see how things are portable when, when people are, you know, you talk about Bill Belichick and all that, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and even Tom Coughlin, I had, you know, I played for the Giants and you hear about all the different stuff, but when you really break it down to it, all he wants you to do is work hard and do your job. And if you're on time, right. which is early, um, yep. and you're, and you, you know, you go out there and perform, you don't have a problem with them because you, you know, what, I think guys that usually had a problem with Coughlin are guys that weren't doing the simple things to be the best that they could be, which obviously was affecting the team and, and how uh, well they could be short and long term. So, you know, sometimes I think um, people get, you know, fixated on rules and, and, and uh, say like in Nick Saban's case, you know, he'll lose, you know, lose his cool on you. But at the end of the day, it's all for a better purpose for you versus it for them. And that's the distinct difference between uh, leadership styles and uh, being successful and not. Yeah. Just to button it up, the guys that have few rules, what people understand that what they, what in my experience, what they do is they pick something that's really important that has a lot of leverage points. So it's the same thing being applied over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? It's not it's not 50 different rules. It's the same rule, and that rule has such a leveraging effect. It's a small thing that affects many things. Right. Like if you tell players one rule is be on time. Okay, you just think about what being on time all the time means. It means that it's, it's a high priority, right? You've got to push it up your priority. It affects the way that you manage your time. You understand what I mean? Right. And, and and if you're on time, you know, that means that a coach has to be prepared, right? They can't be shuffling around if you're asking players. So that one concept of, hey, I need you to be on time is a little small thing that affects everybody in the organization if it's if it's acted on consistently, right? right? Because it, when a coach says it, then the coach has to be on time, which means – he has to be highly organized, right? And they're going to their meetings, right? So now the coach has to manage his time differently and his life differently. Because if the head coach is demanding to be on time, then you got to be on time for everybody, right? Now, you could say you'd be on time, excuse me. Right. And then you get there and the coach isn't prepared, which means that maybe the head coach isn't enforcing with the staff, right? Now you got problems. And then in organizations, the, the thing that's really crucial is what's called, I call alignment. That is, everybody has to be on time. Even right. the janitor has to be on time, mm-hmm. right? And when you got an organization that's aligned like that behind these simple rules, then you got an organization that's in flux. And what happens, just like you said with Coffer, the guys that don't 
follow those rules, they get real uncomfortable real quick. And they either want out or they start exhibiting behaviors outside and they're easy to identify. And the group becomes easy to identify them, right? They say, hey, second, everybody else on time, but you're, now you're not on time. Coach is on time, me's on time, you're on time and you're acting a fool. You got the problem, right? So that one little rule, right? has done a lot of things with the coaching staff, the people, and quickly identified all the people who don't have a problem with being on time, which is when you go with group dynamics, right, you think you have 15 players. Generally, you know, three, a third of those players, you know, they're going to go left when you say right. Right. Right? A third are going to go left just because you said left. And the middle don't care. Well, you, you enforce this on time thing. All of a sudden, you got everybody over here being on time and you got two or three guys that are on time right. and then they, they want to act like somebody's tripping and mm-hmm. the whole group now is looking at them <laughs> you're tripping yeah get yeah. out of here we don't want you around so when you're speaking so, on... oh go sorry go ahead no the police please okay so when you're speaking on group dynamics have you heard about what's going on in minnesota with pj fleck no oh. Well, I've heard a lot i'm around coach surf but tell me a little bit about pj uh so no, right right now there's their it started with a former player speaking out against PJ, calling him, you know, a used car salesman, and and saying mm-hmm. that his worst decision ever was was going to Minnesota. Uh, and then you've had mm-hmm. anonymous players stepping in and saying this kind of the same thing. So you know, you're speaking on group dynamics, and we were talking earlier about how you know just being the coach that he is, very outspoken, very loud, very you know just kind of out there. He's going to have some players that he might rub the wrong way but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad coach, at least in our opinion. Um, so we're just, I was just wondering what, what you would take from that. Well, you, you have, you, now you, you have to judge the results, right? You have to judge the results. So is it, is it a, a flag going up saying, hey, there's something wrong here? Or is it just a, one of those players that we were talking about? Don't know yet. I know PJ popped on the screen a few years ago. I have some coaching buddies that, you know, really – you know, into that, and and they were really uh, focused on culture, and they were really, you know, he was selling what he was doing in Minnesota. It has had an effect, but you want to know: is he Bill Belichick in a sense, or is he Jerry Glanville? Right? If you go remember Jerry Glanville, he he had people rallying around him too. But then at a certain point, you find out he traded by Brett Favre, and you know he does all this other stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, what kind of culture is being there? I think in general, when it comes to these things, if you look at organizations that win, the the, the coaching for a, a large part of it has an air of secrecy around it. Not that they're paranoid, but the secrecy. They just don't they don't brag a lot about it. You know, they just go nobody nobody Belichick when he took the job, he didn't talk about the Belichick way. Right? They just want right. to work a certain way and they started getting results. And still nobody really talks about it. They have these assistants that go in. Traditionally, when you lose assistants, right, it's a drop-off. He seems to be able to plug them back in, right? He's had assistants that leave, and they haven't had – he doesn't have a normal coaching tree, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to Mike Holmgren, you look at his coaching tree of Don Shula, right, and they and Holmgren spat out Andy Reid, he spat out Mariucci, he spat out like seven head coaches. You know, right. what does Belichick spat out? Yeah. And the most you ever hear about it is called the Patriot Way. So what is that? They choke and they get to work and they know their assignments and they play. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? I mean, what what is that? Yeah, simplicity, so, it seems like. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody. Clemson's been good for a couple of years. Ohio State's been good for a couple of years. There's no Clemson way. There's no Ohio State way, right? Right. There's no book on that. They just they get good players. They get after. They compete and work hard, and they win. So um, it, it can be kind of a a thing when a coach pops up like that, right? Uh, but it could be that's what he needed to do to sell the program, and he, he got Minnesota to a different spot than it was, say, where Lou Holtz couldn't get him, right? Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Have you guys ever heard the Lou Holtz story? Real quick. Oh, oh, I'm going old, but it's a funny story. <laughs> no, I haven't. Just to give you listeners, Minnesota wasn't always Minnesota, right? So Lou Holtz, one of his stops, he was there, and he pulls up to the administration building, and he tells the story that he parked in the handicap spot. He was just going to go in and come back. He literally just went in and came out. And when he came out, somebody passed him by. He says, head coach in Minnesota Grove was parking in the handicap spot, trying to give him a hard time. And he says, honey, do you know anybody who's more handicapped than the head coach in the Minnesota Grove? <laughs> <laughs> well, PJ has at least changed that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now can he have a sustainable model? That, that, is, that is the question of the day. That's that's what's going on, and we kind of said, you know, you you start winning, you you start the season good. This probably you know disappears into the ether until you start struggling again. But we're gonna hit a break, and and we'll come okay. right back with you, Barry. Uh, you guys are listening to One on One on ninety three seven The Ticket. Download our app by searching ninety three point seven The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One on One with DP on ninety three seven The Ticket and theticketfm.com. dot 